We are ready, except for those two. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming. Uh, I would now like to call the February 28th, 2023 Longmont City Council regular session to order. Um, if you are viewing this live stream at home, you can watch it on the city's YouTube channel, longmontpublicmedia.org, watch, or on Comcast channels 8 or 880. Can we have a roll call, please? Mayor Peck. Present. Councilmember Hidalgo Faring. Here. Councilmember Martin. Here. Councilmember McCoy. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez. Here. Councilmember Waters. Here. Councilmember Yarbrough. Here. Mayor, you have a quorum. Thank you. Let's stand for the pledge, please. As a reminder to the public, anyone wishing to speak at first call public invited to be heard will need to add his or her name to the list outside the council chambers. Only those on the list will be invited to speak at the first public invited to be heard. Speakers who do not place their names on the list will have the opportunity to speak during the final call public invited to be heard. Anyone wishing to speak on second reading or public hearing items are asked to add their name to the speaker list for each particular item. Each speaker is limited to three minutes, and we would like you to uh, please state your name and address. There are no minutes to approve tonight uh, and no uh, gender revisions. Um, are there any motions to direct the city manager to add agenda items to future agendas from council members? Nope. Seeing none, we'll move on to the city manager's report. Report, Mayor Council. Okay, thank you. Uh, no special reports tonight, so we're going right on to the first call public invited to be heard. The first one is Kim Edmondson. She's not here. All right, Doa. <laughs> Yay. You can hear me, I'm sure, right? Good evening. Oh, I'm Doe Kelly. <laughs> first things first, I'm Doe Kelly. I live on Barbary Drive. I've been here many times. Um, good evening, you guys, City Council Mayor Peck. I'm here to talk about smart meters. Again, here are some titles and quotes from a variety of articles I found online. Some of them from RFK Jr.'s Children's Health Defense website. Quote, Dr. blasts smart meters and tells the public, we should be demanding electromechanical analog meters and utilities should be providing them. And, quote, don't want a smart meter? Take it up with your state legislatures, says Scott McCullough, a lead litigator for Children's Health Defense, and I guess we're just going to have to go to Denver for that and write our own legislature. Legislation. And, might I add, McCullough is the lead attorney who successfully prosecuted the case against the FCC for its antiquated 
radio frequency guidelines that a year and a half later have never been updated, leaving us to wonder if any wireless device is in fact safe, according to the updated science of wireless harms, which has not yet been factored into any reassessment of the FCC RF guidelines. Your federal government not at work for you. Now back to state legislatures. In January, Massachusetts became the latest state to introduce smart meter legislation with a bill that would require the state's utility companies to obtain written consent from consumers before installing a smart meter. The bill also would eliminate fees for consumers who want to opt out of smart meters. Here's a quote coming from senior scientists in an article entitled, it's time to invoke the precautionary principle for radio frequency. Why don't the tenets of toxicology apply? From the February 28th Microwave News, quote, the precautionary principle should be applied to public exposures to RF radiation. So say four senior academic scientists, including the former director of the US National Toxicology Program, the NTP, in a strongly worded appeal Writing in the peer-reviewed journal Environmental Research, Paul Ben Ishai, Linda Birnbaum, Deborah Davis, and Hugh Taylor point to a plethora of both experimental and epidemiological evidence establishing a causal relationship between EMF and cancer and other adverse health effects. Now, onto the more practical nuts and bolts and carbon footprints that the city hopes to reshape by the use of smart meters. I am asking you, on behalf of the public, for the unbiased evidence that this is actually working and working well somewhere else, show me where the CO2, CO2 footprint has been affected, where are the savings for we the people, show me the evidence this actually works somewhere, anywhere, show me the unbiased, independently derived evidence that this will save me money. I have it on expert authority, nobody is saving money. Or carbon once the smart meters go Thank in, au do. contraire. <laughs> Thank you. Stop the smart meter rollout now, please. Kendra Pearshaw. Kendra's not here, I'm assuming. Corkett Onoran. Hello. Corkett Onoran, 800 Emery Street, 80501. I'm here to express my support for the Center for Arts and Entertainment Initiative. I also support city's decision to conduct a survey on the current use of certain facilities and support for potential investment of these facilities. I took the survey myself and it asks what facilities I currently use and investment on what facilities I would support. It's a good idea to have this information. However, in my opinion, the survey emphasizes the potential use and de-emphasizes the question of, is it good for the community? And those are different questions. Let me give you an example. I teach as an adjunct in the University of Colorado, Denver, and I have access to university's library system. So I don't use Longman Public Library, but I would support any investment to make the library better because I believe it is good for the community. Longmont deserves a good library system. I encourage you to approach with the same question to Center of Arts and Entertainment. Is it good for the community? 
And instead of who would use it, we should ask, how can we make it more inclusive? How can we make the center attract people from all ages and backgrounds? I want to end with a famous quote by the poet William Carlos Williams. This is what he said. It is difficult to get news from poems, yet people die miserably every day for lack of what is found there. We are all humans. We need poetry and arts in our lives. We need arts to bring us together. Thank you. Thank you, Corkin. Lance Whitaker. Mayor and Council, my name is Lance Whitaker in support of House Bill 191230 again. Um, I'd like to remind you that when the federal government in 2008 and 9 begged me to buy a house, where else would I have bought a house but here in Longmont? Now that the state is basically begging me, to start, stop burning out of my garage um, with grant money and loan money. Uh, where else would I want to put my business but here in Longmont? So, again, I'm here in support of House Bill 1230. And also, as you well know, today is National Be Heard Day. Each year, on the seventh day of March, National Be Heard Day encourages small businesses across the country to make their presence known. The day recognizes over 145 million small businesses striving to be heard over the big business-dominated noise. National Be Heard Day around the United States, small business employ approximately 40% of the workforce. Standing out amongst the crowd can be a daunting task, but small businesses are unique in many ways. Not only do they supply cutting-edge services and products, but they also reinvest in small-town America local neighborhoods in many ways. When small business owners live, work, and play in our communities, their dollars stay and grow. Many of these small businesses create small products, solving unique problems for businesses. Not only that, they support our schools and dollars as mentors in classrooms and in field coaches. Thank you. Thank you, Lance. Ethan, and am I pronouncing this correctly? Is it An Angren? Okay, close. Ethan Green, 930 Button Rock. Greetings, Council Members. Planting 30,000 trees in Lamont would represent a 2.6% increase in total tree canopy and sequester 330 tons of carbon and 10 tons of ozone every year in perpetuity. My credentials to speak on this topic include earning a master's degree in environmental leadership, 
and experience in sustainable food systems and the ecological design practice of permaculture. Today, we witnessed the annual virtual signaling greenwashing exercise of the release of the city's annual sustainability and climate action report to highlight, quote, Longmont steps toward a carbon-free future. Never mind that we are carbon-based life forms, and in fact, all known life on Earth is carbon-based. If we take going carbon-free literally, it means genocide. Of course, we don't take it literally, and that is where we begin to see through the veneer of the climate emergency industrial complex. In 2019, Council adopted a climate emergency declaration that includes lots of fluffy, only one concrete action, formation of a, quote, climate working group to discuss and implement steps to promote a carbon-free, sustainable city with a goal of creating and submitting quarterly reports. However, the now-defunct Climate Action Task Force has not met since 2020, and the city has never received a quarterly report. I'm not here to speculate on why you killed the, the task force, but by killing the task force, you crippled its most important function, the inclusion of independent subject matter experts and concerned residents, including those most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change and the climate discussion. You then shifted responsibility to the Sustainability Advisory Board, a board more easily controlled by special interests and complied with your approved agenda. Building electrification is big money for your crony special interests. I get it. But it comes at the obvious expense of ordinary residents paying higher prices for electricity. Planting trees, on the other hand, is big impact, low cost. Planting 30,000 trees in Longmont by 2030 would sequester 330 tons of carbon every year while improving air quality and mitigating extreme summer heat for our most vulnerable residents. How many trees did Longmont plant last year? Only 226, a small fraction of the number we should be planting to address a real climate emergency. Today I'm calling out the city for being out of compliance with the simple terms of the Climate Emergency Declaration. This is unacceptable and I demand change. If you no longer believe there is a real climate emergency after you got in the Climate Action Task Force, then rescind the Emergency Declaration. Otherwise the task force must be reconstituted or the Emergency Declaration must be amended to accurately reflect the city's current actual climate agenda. In conclusion, please come back to reality. Focus on climate resilience, not going carbon free. Or in the chilling words of one council member, societal upheaval comparable to the Industrial Revolution. No one appreciates unnecessary societal upheaval. I urge you to support the tree equity climate action vision I am proposing to plant 30,000 tree, trees by 2030. Let ecological wisdom finally prevail over irrational climate alarmism. Thank you, Ethan. Elsie Wilkins. Good evening. I'm Elsie Wilkins, and I live at uh, 8664 Middle Fork Road, Boulder County. Um, I have three questions. Um, the smart meters bypass, bypass the fuse box. Uh, do you have engineered reports that confirm that the smart meters that are being installed in um, our communities do not have the fire risk um, that they have had in other places, California and other countries, uh, Canada, um, my second question is, um, the Longmont City has contracted with a smart meter company that has a history of fire incidents. Um, have the risk been eliminated and how have they been eliminated? And number three, 
the smart meters being installed in Longmont don't have a track record of saving electricity. Is that true? Um, also, I have a big concern about the pollin pollinators, uh, specifically the bees. Um, so I um, uh, have a question also. So what a picnic um, will be without bees? Uh, honeybees are critical to U.S. food supplies. One third of the foods we eat are pollinated by honeybees. Um, especially the good stuff uh, are superfoods rich in vitamins and nutrients. They are the tiny forces behind more than 20 billion worth of U.S. Uh, crops every year. So a picnic without bees will be uh, if we do have kebabs, uh, the kebabs will not have onions, peppers, tomatoes. If we have blackberry pie, hold the berries. Um, if we have a um, sandwich of uh, peanut butter and jelly, hold the jelly. If we have lemonade, there won't be lemons for the lemonade. Um, if we have watermelon in the picnic, there won't be watermelon. Um, there won't be guacamole or salsa for the chips. Uh, if we have a salad, there will be no tomatoes, no cucumbers, no onions, no olives. Uh, if we have a fruit salad, um, there will be pineapple and bananas only. And if we have a pasta salad, there will be no broccoli, no olives, no onions, no peppers, no tomatoes. Um, so I am concerned about what is going to be the impact on the pollinators uh, with the rollout of more uh, 5G towers and more smart meters and all type of equipment that affect our pollinators. Thank you. Elsie, would you mind giving your um, email address and contact information to Sandy Cedar? Thank you. Um, Steve Altshuler. evening. I get to try to do this without glasses, so bear oh, with dear. me. <clears throat> My name is Steve Altschuler. I live at 1555 Taylor Drive. I have a rhetorical question. Why do people move to Longmont? I moved here 16 years ago for good schools for my daughter, open space, and a good location for my window covering business. Longmont prospers from property taxes and business sales tax. All we ask in return is safe streets, good schools, and a few good restaurants. After five years at Blue Mountain Elementary and one year at Altona, I took my daughter out of public school and paid extra for a better, safer education at a Christian school. So I paid two times as much for her schooling because I still had to pay property taxes in Longmont. Now what can ruin a city? 500,000 people have left California. Instead of opening Tesla in California, they moved to Texas. Lower taxes and more rights for, the, for their business and their employees. Thousands of businesses in California have closed due to homeless camped on the sidewalks and human waste and needles in front of their stores. 
I see it happening in Denver. It's happening in Boulder. And on the way we're going, it's going to start happening in Longmont more, too. $5 million a day to house illegals in hotels at up to $500 a day in New York. This is taxpayer money at waste. People are leaving Portland due to crime. Chicago is the number two capital of America. Liberal policies has, have never helped the city grow and prosper. Sadly, Chicago is replacing Lori Lightfoot with another liberal. I fear this will be like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Please focus your decisions on helping Longmont prosper. Do not just take from those who work to give to those who are too lazy to work. My business moved to Weld County, and my daughter is in school in Loveland. A lot of these policies have chased my business away and will chase other people away. And I have 49 seconds. <laughs> you know, inflation is a really big deal here. It's a big deal in America. And when you look at a couple of weeks ago, you had a lady out here that was in, well, they talk about bathrooms now where you have a third set of bathrooms for the people who can't decide what gender they are. If you take a 3,000 square foot restaurant with 400 square feet of bathrooms, now it's 600 square feet of bathrooms because they need a third set of everything. That means there's 10% less space for tables, at least one less employee. And if there's less space for tables and less customers, the businesses have to raise their prices 10% to make the same money they would have made before. So all I'm asking is when you make the decisions that you make, look at unintended consequences. Because a lot of these decisions are increasing inflation and other Thank changes you. in our life. Thank, Thank you. you. Strider Benston. Hi, I'm Strider Benston, 951 17th. Um, while I was preparing to come down here tonight, um, something hit me. I just discovered that the $200 cash I paid to my utility bill did not go through for some reason. It was cash. And I can't find my receipts, so they say they're going to cut off my electricity in tomorrow or the next day. I wonder if there's some way I can get another week to try to find what, what happened. I paid it cash, and she stamped it and handed it back to me, but I can't get any help in, in all of the uh, uh, sorting and uh, uh, things I need to do at home, so it's it's pretty severe. Um, the uh, uh, I uh, came down. I, I saw the uh, climate action thing was uh, uh, going on, and I saw in the in the newspaper there was a criticism of the report not having been dealt with. But it takes a while, you know, regulations meetings, committees, plans, whatever. I remember the climate conference we had here when I first moved here. I think it was, what, 07 or 08. I'm not sure what, what year uh, Hunter Lovins was uh, speaker. We really had something going, there, but then we had a reactionary city council that kind of abolished everything. Um, 
Today is the 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday in Selma. Uh, I got knocked out twice over the bridge before I was able to get up and run through the horse charge to get back into town alive. And uh, Michael Belmont found finally a copy. It took me 55 years uh, to get a copy of Rampart's magazine, June of 65. It's the best contemporaneous report that ever happened about Selma. And it's got three pages of my testimony that day. I was still in shock. Um, I only had a broken nose, no broken bones, but uh, um, it was, uh, we thought we won the right to vote in this country. The Supreme Court has been destroying that uh, nationally with Citizens United and Shelby County and whatever, actively destroying the right to vote. And now we got eight or 10 states that are, as the state, trying to destroy the right to vote. And uh, uh, there are many things about a government or a democracy, but Fundamental is the right to vote if, and, and the right to speak in a free press. If you don't have the right to vote, you have no other rights. And that is what we're facing at uh, Juggernaut you. right now. Thank you. Thank you, Strider. And uh, talk to our assistant city manager there. Right here, Strider. I saw two people come in. Uh, is Kendra here? Kendra Pearsall? Kim Edmondson, come on. Hello, I'm Kim Edmondson on Bittersweet Lane here in Longmont. I'm here once again to oppose your smart meter rollout. I've looked at all of your city website on the meters and no places or any mention at all of the potential health impacts such as dizziness, ear pain, memory loss, heart palpitations, anxiety, insomnia, insomnia, depression, hormonal disruption, chronic inflammation, lower metabolism, depleted mitochondria, or the long-term effects such as increased cancer risk, damage to nervous system, decrease in reproductive abilities. Shouldn't this information be presented to the citizens in advance so they can decide what risks they are willing to take with their health and the health of their family? This should be an opt-in and not an opt-out, and be penalized for opting out. Due to the fact there are potential health risks, people should be informed of those risks in advance. If they choose to go forward, then opt in for those meters. Instead, you're being charged a monthly fee for not playing along and having your current meter replaced with a non-EMI meter, which turns out, according to a local building biologist, emits more EMF radiation than the EMI smart meters, yet again being punished for using to play along. How shameful is that? I'm also going to ask that you end the climate emergency that was declared in 2018 and put a pause on all this sustainable energy hoopla that as far as I can tell is designed to financially drain the average citizen and serve as a digital wireless prison system for humanity. <clears throat> I recently sent you information to review regarding the topic of geoengineering known as weather modification technology. I think that is the real climate crisis, not my gasoline run vehicles or gas stoves which do not cause asthma. Childhood vaccines do that. You should be demanding they stop spraying at damn skies daily. It's so obvious, I don't know how you don't see it. If you follow the sustainability money trail, it all goes right back to the corporations that are trying to run the planet, who are owned by the maniacs who fly their private jets to Davos, Switzerland, 
to figure out how will we will nothing, be happy and eat the bugs. Which, by the way, the parasites are caused by eating insects, which has made a cause of cancer that the Rockefeller-run medical schools have covered up to make more money off our chronically ill behinds. Mayor Peck, your League of Mayor organization, is promoting this sustainable garbage in a public-private partnership with people like Pfizer and other mega corporations whose heads turn up in Davos, Switzerland. The sustainability liaison, Lisa Knobloch, who is on the board for Colorado Communities for Climate Action, her group follows the lead of the Rocky Mountain Institute, which operated last year on $42 million this past year, which used to be known as the Carbon War Room, founded by Sir Richard Branson, yet another rich globalist trying to tell us how to live our lives. And we have the Biden regime and their recent $1.2 trillion Inflation Reduction Act. Of the $73 million for grid modernization, Colorado got $0. But we did get $432 million for infrastructure development of airports. Don't airplanes make huge carbon footprints? Why are we investing in that? We're all paying for that $1.2 trillion in the form of inflation. How is that helping the low income that you pretend to care so greatly about? How is this equitable? Thank you. Okay, we are now at the consent agenda and, and introduction reading by title of first reading ordinances. Can you please read the ordinances into the record for me? Yes. Item 9A1 is an ordinance 2023-10, a bill for an ordinance amending chapter 15.02, section 15.02.080.B of the Longmont Municipal Code on administrative modifications. Item 9A2 is Ordinance 2023-11, a bill for an ordinance amending Chapter 15.5, Section 15.05.120 of the Longmont Municipal Code on mixed-use and non-residential design standards. Item B is Ordinance 2023-12, a bill for an ordinance authorizing the City of Longmont to lease the real property known as Vance Brand Municipal Airport Hangar Parcel H-1A to Warren K. Rempel. Item C is Ordinance 2023-13, an ordinance for a bill for an ordinance authorizing the City of Longmont to lease the real property known as Vance Brand Municipal Airport Hangar Parcel 11, I'm sorry, H-11 to Longmont Executive Hangars 2 Association Incorporated. Item D is Resolution 2023-18, a resolution of the Longmont City Council approving the 2023 award notice under the intergovernmental agreement between Boulder County and the City of Longmont for Environmental Sustainability Matching Grant Program. Thank you. Uh, do any councilors want to pull any items off of this agenda? agenda? Well, I do. I am going to pull uh, A1. Um, so can I have a motion? Well, I will move the consent agenda mi minus A1. Second. So it's been moved and seconded to, uh, to for the consent agenda minus A1. Is there any discussion? Seeing none, let's vote. That passes unanimously, thank you. Since we have no ordinances on second reading and public hearings tonight, we'll go right back to the items pulled from the consent agenda 
And I do have a couple of questions. Let me close out this voting. Hello. No, I thought you were. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. I just have a couple of uh, clarification questions. Uh, it is mentioned in here several places where a wall plane is used. What is a wall plane in a design standard? So, uh, Mayor, wall plane would refer to the kind of the vertical wall of, uh, of a building facade. And so, t typically in terms of architectural design, it, it references kind of variation in that wall plane, so you get a little bit uh, uh, more of a variety in terms of architectural features uh, related to building design. Okay. So, again, the wall plane is kind of the horizontal surface of a building facade. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, vertical. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I knew you meant vertical. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you almost retire. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> also mentioned several times in the ordinance is the word director. It says uh, whatever the director wants. What director are you referring to? So by code, it references the planning director. The planning, planning services, director. Yeah, planning okay. services development director. Okay. Um, and also under the site design, uh, why aren't we making the gathering places a part of this design? instead of saying that they are appropriate per the site design? So, yeah, I mean, it can vary. I mean, there, there are certainly instances where we would want to have gathering spaces uh, in a, for example, an industrial development. Um, but there are other instances where an industrial development um, may not warrant the need. And so we left that kind of flexible so we can make a determination on where where those types of gathering spaces might be appropriate um, within an industrial development. Sometimes if you have a lot of truck traffic uh, moving in and out of a uh, industrial development um, and uh, it makes it kind of difficult to try to create um, gathering spaces uh, for, uh, you know, for visitors and or employees. Uh, but uh, to the maximum extent, we would like to encourage that those be incorporated into designs, if at all possible. What about residential? Um, is it's the same? Did I see the same wording in the residential one? I'm not sure. No, this. I mean, this is focusing primarily on the changes are primarily focusing on uh, kind of industrial building design. Okay. Um, we're still um, utilizing a gathering spaces amenity spaces for mixed-use developments, right. um, other non-residential developments, and residential developments. Okay. As long as we're continuing to look at that. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, and that, that was the end. That was, those were my questions. So I moved that we approve 2023-10, um, which is A1. So it's been moved by myself, seconded by Councillor Martin. Um, I do, I'm sorry, I do see Councillor Waters. Thanks, Mayor Peck. I wouldn't have pulled this off. <clears throat> I might have just called and asked the question, but since it was pulled up, <clears throat> in, the, in the council communication, there's a reference to the use of the word flexibility. And um, <clears throat> the first conversation I was in, 
when it came to zoning and and uh, code uh, was when Brian Ewan and uh, Aaron were I'd sat up there listened to a couple of presentations about uh, a, a pretty substantial update of the land code and you know to align it with Envision Longmont and if I heard the word flexibility once I heard it I don't know how many times many times during those presentations and then I got a chance to vote on it you know by the time it was finished I was elected which I, with I, I thought made sense for me you know my my biggest interest was to hear you and Aaron and others talk about what the you know what the big picture was kind of the vision from a planner's perspective for the city and how that was reflected in the code right um, but but the but the notion of flexibility resonated with me and since then there's only one time that I recall an item came to us that was an appeal from planning and zoning that the staff recommended approval of a, of a project that planning and zoning uh, didn't approve and then it was appeal, appealed by the by the applicant and we had a chance to hear it and I don't recall if you were if you made the presentation and it doesn't really matter but um, that was an that was an occasion where the staff was was bringing brought a recommendation both to PNZ and to us to to exercise that flexibility because of the specifics around this particular proposal or application and that one is not what I'm so curious about I'm just wondering have been there others I don't know if this maybe Glenn's been in this in these conversations have there been other projects where um, you've you've either needed that the flexibility and didn't have it or times where you had the flexibility and used it in ways that were consistent with what the kind of the, the intentions were with the proposals or the recommendations you brought back in 2018 is that's a long question but you get no that's what I'm that's yeah. fair councilmember yeah. waters um yeah i mean i think there's been a, a variety of different instances both from the standpoint of applications that might be considered administrative where staff has more discretion to make determinations um, and I think you know from that standpoint it's been helpful uh, for staff to have the flexibility and, and as you've probably noticed in this particular ordinance there's some additional flexibility built in for yep. alternative design compliance yep. some permissive language that right yeah. And so I think from that standpoint, that's been helpful. Uh, and I think the developers have appreciated that well as well as we've gone through the development review process in terms of, you know, they always have concerns about how long, you know, they're in the development review process and getting their entitlements in a timely fashion. And I think the flexibility, as long as the requests are reasonable and the design, you know, they still are uh, proposing a good design that, the ability to have that flexibility uh, helps staff to be able to make those determinations on whether or not to approve the request for a modification or not and have that ability to approve that obviously um, facilitates uh, the ability to move projects through the process sure. quicker um, I think the same can apply for you know whether staff can make a determination on whether or not something needs to go up through a hearing process or not and having that flexibility again um, helps staff in terms of uh, being able to make reasonable determinations uh, without the you know without the rigidity of having to send it up through a hearing process if it makes sense to approve a modification yeah it just it made sense then 
we just we just haven't been in those conversations because it plays out at a different level, right? It's your judgment or it's Glenn's judgment, but we just haven't seen those. So it's good to know that all that work that was done back in in 2017 and 18 that resulted in that you know in the in the major land code update um, translated into options that has created efficiencies and whatnot because the the only one where you're in sense didn't seem to play out that way so it's good to know and one one thing else that I'll add is that you know prior to the code update in 2018 uh, and I was staff liaison and continue to be staff liaison for the board of adjustments for variances um, prior to 2018 code we had you know we'd have regular variance requests uh, that went before the board of adjustment I would say since the code has been adopted and we have additional flexibility and we've updated our standards, um, it's pretty rare that we have those variance requests going to the Board of Adjustment. So yeah, from right. that standpoint, I think that's been helpful. Thanks. Thank you. I just want to make a statement as well that when I ask questions up here, it is also, even if I know the answer, it is for the residents and the people watching at home. So if they have questions, they are answered in public. It doesn't matter whether another counselor thinks it's an appropriate question or not. We do have the right to ask staff questions for clarification. So thank you very much. That was great. Thank you all. Counselor Martin. Uh, thank you, Mayor Peck. Yes. <laughs> Quick question. It's kind of a follow-on um, for uh, Councilmember Waters' um, question line of questioning, um, which is... Um, I think it's admirable that the, that the staff is using, um, you know, incorporating more flexibility into our design codes. And um, especially since I think as pretty much the whole planning staff acknowledges, we are in a period of transition uh, in terms of our expectations about what building in Longmont uh, needs to be to meet the, to meet the needs of the city. The Planning and Zoning Board, on the other hand, tends to be selected based on their willingness to adhere to every jot and tittle of the code, uh, which I think is probably what happens in the example that uh, Dr. Waters cited. Um, so the staff had been flexible, planning and zoning was less flexible. It came to us and we voted with planning and zoning because we did not incorporate the idea of, of flexibility uh, into our application of the code. Do you have any advice for us when that happens? Because you know we're not as experienced as you are in terms of understanding the consequences of a variation. Uh, and the same is, you know, we're also not as, as experienced as the planning and zoning board. This seems to create a puzzle for us, which I think uh, I just like your advice. Well, it, it, it's a great question, uh, Councilmember Martin. Uh, I think in that particular instance, when the council reviewed that particular item in an appeal, um, you know, the, the standards that we have and criteria we have for appeals of decisions by the Planning and Zoning Commission is fairly limited. Um, and, uh, you know, basically council needs to make a finding that the Plan Zoning Commission erred in their decision. And that's kind of a difficult criteria to 
kind of just you know get get across that hurdle. Um, it's not like it's a de novo um, review of a, of a, a request for for an, uh, for an appeal on a particular item. So I'm not sure if I have great advice on that because, like I said, uh, once it gets to council's purview on an appeal, your your um, determination is is fairly limited on mm -hmm. you know how you can make that call of whether or not the planning commission made an error in their decision. <laughs> so, so everybody did the right thing, and we still didn't get the thing we really wanted. <laughs> so um, I. Thank you. Uh, we're really off topic at this point. We need to vote on this motion. Um, and we are we are very limited on appeals. Thank you for that. And let's vote Thank on you. this. Point of order. Yeah. Yeah. I made the motion to move uh, A1. And Councillor Martin seconded that. So let's vote. We are now at our general business and we're going to have a report, an annual report from the Sustainability and Climate Action. Oh, I'm sorry, the motion carried. Thank you. Can I close this? I'm not sure if it was up for any particular reason. Thank you. There we go. Uh, good evening, Mayor Peck and members of council. Lisa Knobloch, Sustainability Manager uh, with Strategic Integration. And I'm here tonight to share with you the 2022 annual report and the progress that we've been making toward our sustainability and climate action goals. Uh, so I'm just going to do a pretty brief overview of the sustainability plan and climate action recommendations report, just because I know we have some new council members that may not be as familiar with them. Uh, we'll go through the annual report and some highlights of the work that has been underway there and how we're doing in terms of meeting our targets and goals. We'll review the recently completed 2021 greenhouse gas inventory and have some time to discuss uh, updating the greenhouse, the existing greenhouse gas reduction targets. Uh, so the sustainability plan was approved in 2016. It had uh, contains these 10 topic areas listed here. And each topic area has an objective, targets, strategies, and timelines associated with each of those. Those all also support the guiding principles and goals within Envision Longmont, the city's comprehensive plan. And then in 2022, the Climate Action Task Force uh, in the Just Transition Plan Committee developed recommendations that became the Climate Action Recommendations Report that had recommendations within these six topic areas with the underlying foundation of equity. A lot of that work uh, overlaps with the work within the sustainability plan, and that was approved by council in 2020. So in your packet, you received the 2022 annual report. Uh, this is our second annual report that we've done. 
it, it encapsulates all of the uh, progress towards sustainability, the sustainability plan and the climate action recommendations report. I'm not gonna go through every page of that report. I'm just gonna pull out some highlights uh, and do a deeper dive in particular on the climate action work. I do wanna highlight that we uh, have an update underway to the uh, indicators platform. So there's been Longmont indicators for a while that showed progress uh, towards the, the targets for sustainability and Envision. Uh, we're revamping that. It'll be a much more uh, dynamic and interactive uh, dashboard. So keep an eye out for that. It should be up in April. And then before I dive into the details, I just want to highlight these two data points noted here because I think it's a good synopsis of the work underway and our progress. So 91% uh, of the immediate near-term or ongoing sustainability plan and climate action recommendations are on track for implementation. And 71% of all the targets have either that have either been met or aren't on track or relevant strategies haven't been implemented yet, which essentially means that they're associated with recommendations that are set in the midterm, so we haven't begun implementation of those yet. And the ones that aren't on track, uh, you'll see in the report some asterisks indicated some of the challenges that we faced uh, from the impacts of COVID on program participation, some of the supply chain issues and, that we've seen and stuff like that. Uh, just to review kind of the, the formatting, I know this is a lot of information. I'm not gonna go everything, through everything here. Um, but the report shows each of those 10 topic areas as well as the additional topic areas from the Climate Action Recommendations Report. On the left-hand side is a narrative that just pulls out some of the highlights that we thought were important to share with council and the community. And on the right-hand side, you'll see what we call the action snapshots that goes through each of those uh, topic areas, all of the targets, the most recent data that we have available, most of which is 2022, but some of those data sources we um, don't get every year or that we get later in the year, so we don't have data for them as yet and then a symbol with a thumbs up, thumbs side, or thumbs down that indicates how well we're meeting those targets. Digging a little bit deeper into the climate action recommendations in particular, this slide shows all of the, the recommendations from the Climate Action Task Force. On the left, you see the near-term recommendations uh, that were set to be implemented in the 2021 and 2022 timeframe. And those green stars there indicate all of the recommendations where we have work underway. Uh, you'll see all, the majority of the recommendations are underway except for some education and outreach recommendations, which is largely, um, the delays for that, those are largely due to just staff turnover that we had last year. And then on the right, you see the midterm recommendations, which are set to be implemented in 2023, 2023 to 2027 timeframe. Uh, so we're just starting to get some of those underway. You'll see that some of them, there's progress already, uh, but we'll be looking at those in the coming years to help us keep on track to meeting our goals. And then we're, there were a handful of recommendations that were identified as monitor over time that just had some complicating factors to them that we just wanted to keep an eye on before we move forward to implementation. Sorry, the colors got pretty washed out on that one. Um, but I also wanted to highlight that in addition to the recommendations from the Climate Action Task Force, we have equity-focused recommendations that were de developed from the Just, Pre Just Transition Plan Committee uh, that were specifically focused on how to incorporate equity into climate action. Those fell into these two overarching buckets, which were equity assessment. So there's recommendations focused on capacity building. So make sure we have a foundation on what equity and climate action means applying an act, act, excuse me, 
applying an equity lens and engaging frontline communities, and then a series of recommendations focused on equitable climate action, so things that we should be taking into consideration when we're implementing any of our climate action work. And all of these recommendations uh, are getting adapted into an equity checklist and discussion guide that, that staff continues to utilize as we implement all of the different climate action recommendations. So as far as our overarching climate action goals, uh, I wanna revisit the, these because I know some of these are new to some of you. Uh, so in 2018, uh, we did the city's first greenhouse gas inventory uh, to understand what are the sources of our greenhouse gas emissions. And we de developed a report that identified a number of recommendations that would help Longmont reduce those greenhouse gas emissions. We then took all of those recommendations and had them modeled into the future, into 2050, to understand what the potential reduction to our greenhouse gas emissions could be. And that's where we came up with these numbers of reducing our emissions 66% by 2030 and 69% by 2050. And just a couple of key pieces of information here. Uh, first of all, this is under ideal conditions, if we could put all of these recommendations into place, this is what we could potentially see as far as an impact to our emissions of reductions. And then as I, I wanna note, there's not a big uh, drop from, six, from 2030 to 2050. That is largely because of our 100% um, renewable by 2030 goal. So you can see that that really by and far has the biggest impact in reducing our emissions. So that's why you see the big drop in 2030 and then not a, as big of a drop to 2050. Uh, so how are we doing in meeting those goals? Now we have three consecutive uh, greenhouse gas inventories. So we have those three yellow dots are our actual emissions from those three years, 2016, 2019, and 2021. And in the 2021 inventory that was just completed, we saw 13% emissions reduction from our 2016 baseline. Uh, so we're doing pretty well overall. And that number reflects um, both our activities that we've been doing, again, largely the transition to 100% renewable energy, as well as our other work in terms of energy efficiency and transportation. Uh, it also reflects some just changes in, in methodology in terms of accounting. So as I mentioned, we recently completed the 2021 emissions inventory. This was, uh, we actually bumped this up, up a year because the county was doing their countywide uh, inventory along with a, a number of the Boulder County communities. And so it made sense for us to just be part of that process and be al aligned with their timeline. Uh, we did of course have to incorporate the Weld County portion of Longmont so that we weren't just looking at the Boulder County side. So it is a complete inventory for Longmont. As you can see, our three sources of, as a, three sources of emissions uh, are still electricity, natural gas, and transportation. A couple of things I just wanna call your attention to. Uh, this big kind of orange, orangish red color that you see at the bottom here with the green arrow says addic additional equity share emissions, uh, which is, um, uh, kind of a complicated thing to understand, but I wanted to include this here because essentially this isn't part of our formal inventory, but this is uh, the emissions that are associated with Longmont's portion as a, as a member own, uh, owner community of Platte River Power Authority. So the dark blue electricity, that's our emissions associated with the energy that we consume in Longmont that we purchase from Platte River and consume in Longmont. As an owner community, the additional equity share is essentially our proportion of the emissions that 
Platte River is associated with the energy that Platte River sells on the open market. So it's just acknowledging our responsibility as an owner community there. And then I also wanna call attention to this green slice up here, up here that says transboundary aviation. That's essentially our proportion of emissions from DIA that gets allocated to Longmont. So that does get incorporated into our inventory, but obviously that's something that we don't have a lot of direct control over. So I just wanna highlight that as well. Now that we have three consecutive inventories, we can start to see some year-to-year -year comparisons. So we pulled out a couple of things that we know council is particular, particularly interested in to highlight. So you see total stationary energy, that's essentially the energy that's used in buildings through electricity and natural gas. Uh, you can see there was a bump from 2016 and then a drop into 2021. Uh, total transportation has kind of bumped around a bit. This is one of the areas where the data methodology uh, has changed somewhat, which makes it a little bit challenging for us <laughs> to track, but hopefully gets us closer and closer to more accurate accounting. There's been a bit of a bump in the waste section, um, but you can see when all of that rolls up into total emissions, uh, that overall decline, which is where we're seeing that uh, overall 13% reduction from our 2016 baseline. So I'm gonna get into those three um, uh, priority sources, so electricity, natural gas, and transportation, talk about how we're doing as far as our targets there and the work underway. Uh, so in, in the electricity uh, section, we have our overarching emissions goal. As I mentioned, reduced, we've reduced 13% by, by our 2016 baseline. And we have two supporting targets that help us meet that goal, one of which is an energy, electric energy savings through efficiency measures. Uh, we didn't meet that target in 2022 largely as a result of, as I mentioned, continued impacts to program participation um, as some of the lingering effects of COVID and also starting to see a lot more significant supply chain issues that impacted uh, the materials associated with efficiency. Uh, and then are increasing our renewable energy mix. Um, I wanna highlight, first of all, the importance of energy efficiency uh, in helping us to meet our 100% renewable goal because obviously everything that we can save through efficiency is power that we don't have to generate in the first place. So that's an important component. Um, and then as far as meeting our target to uh, get to that 100% renewable by 2030, we are doing well there. We don't have 2022 numbers yet. I'm sorry, we should have those in the next couple of weeks. I was hoping to have them for you tonight, but we don't have those quite yet. Um, but looking again at that split from delivered energy, so what's actually delivered to Longmont, uh, we're at about 50% renewable. And when we look at Platte River Power Authority's uh, total portfolio mix, it's about 37% renewable as of 2021. Uh, I'm not gonna go too much more into the 100% renewable work because um, my colleague Susan Bartlett from LPC is gonna be coming to you on Saturday as part of the retreat and doing a deeper dive into that area in particular. Uh, I did wanna highlight, I just dropped in the recommendations from the Climate Action Task Force here. Uh, just to show you that there's the near-term recommendations in the blue and the mid-term recommendations uh, in the red there. The green arrows are indicating that there's progress underway. I'm not gonna read through all this. It's just showing you that there's a lot of work happening in this space, all of which is rolling up to helping us meet those overarching goals. In the area of natural gas, uh, we have the same overarching target. Our two supporting targets are again, the energy efficiency one because that's one of our primary measures in addition to building electrification to reduce our emissions from natural gas. Uh, and then I also wanted to mention one of the other targets is really keeping an eye on making sure that our low-income households can afford their utility bills. 
um, and helping to keep those bills stable through energy efficiency measures. So again, that's really one of our most powerful tools uh, to mitigating utility bill increases, whether they be from rates or helping folks to transition to uh, building electrification. And there's also a lot of other benefits that are really important around in-home health safety and comfort associated with efficiency. As you can see, there's a lot of near-term recommendations, uh, work that we have underway in this area. A couple of the yellow arrows just indicate where we've run into some challenges in, in meeting some of our goals and implementing these strategies. And a lot of those challenges are around, uh, again, impacts to program participation and staffing constraints. In the tra transportation section, we have a specific goal to reduce our emissions in transportation 40% by 2030 and 100% by 2050. As of our 2021 inventory, we've seen a, a decrease in transportation emissions by 26%, so we're doing pretty well there. And then our two supporting targets are focused on increasing vehicle electrification and then also increasing mode share. So getting people out of cars entirely uh, through biking and walking and rolling and access to transit. Uh, so even though our current 2022 numbers for electric vehicles show 1.6%, which is far from our, from our 2030 goal, uh, we're actually seeing um, some pretty positive trends and we ex anticipate some exponential growth in that area. So there's a lot of work to be done, but there's uh, a lot happening there as well. And then I just wanna highlight that sub goal particular to fleet and give uh, Cash and our fleet folks a lot of credit for the work that they're doing there because we are uh, on track to meeting our 2025 fleet goal, which is pretty exciting. Uh, we do have the thumbs down for mode share, even though it looks like we're getting pretty close to our 2030 goal only because we've been seeing a decrease in recent years with regards to mode share, uh, largely likely due to the impacts of COVID on transit ridership. So we do hope to see those things rebound, but we did want it to be reflective of what the trends are that we'll, we're seeing. So we'll keep an eye on those things. The recommendations from the Climate Action Task Force are midterm recommendations, but we do have a lot of work underway that's supporting these through the transportation roadmap that was approved in 2021 and some regional work that we're doing on the electric, transportation electrification that's focused on really looking at all of the components that need to be addressed to help folks get into electric vehicles, whether they're post personally owned or through car share programs or, or other things like that, and really leveraging uh, regional expertise and trying to look at uh, how we can come together as a region, especially looking at funding opportunities through um, state and federal funding mechanisms that are coming down spe specifically focused on transportation electrification. So we're trying to position ourselves well for those funding opportunities. And then some supporting work uh, in the adaptation space. So in adaptation and resilience, we're continuing our work in the climate risk and vulnerability map. And we have two uh, projects that are funded by the 2023 sustainability tax funds looking specifically at extreme heat resilience. Uh, we're continuing the Big Picture Climate Lecture Series in partnership with the museum. And then the focus on commercial and residential composting largely through the update to the zero waste resolution, which you all adopted in fall of last year, and the universal recycling ordinance, which is under development right now. One of the complicating factors I wanna mention in this area, because I'm sure you all have heard about it through different sources, is that A1 Organics, which is the regional composting facility, has seen a tremendous amount of contamination in recent years, uh, and they've uh, changed their policies to restrict what can go into the composting stream to only be yard waste and food waste. So no more compostable paper like paper towels and napkins and coffee filters or compostable to go wear and whatnot. 
Um, so that does have somewhat of an impact on our waste diversion goals and around the avoided greenhouse gas emissions that we um, benefit from putting things into composting. However, we're, we're hoping that that's a pretty short-term situation and then that, and that'll be resolved uh, and hopefully doesn't impact our goals in the long-term. But please feel free to reach out with questions if you are, are getting questions from constituents and whatnot on that particular issue. Uh, just a quick mention on equity and climate action. So the, equi the Equitable Climate Action Team um, is continuing their work, as I mentioned earlier, from those recommendations from the Climate Action Recommendations Report. Uh, they provided feedback to staff on six city projects last year, including the Beneficial Building Electrification Plan. Uh, that's another thing that Susan Bartlett will be bringing to you on Saturday for much more in-depth discussion. They volunteered at 12 events. Um, and as I mentioned, staff is continuing to adapt those recommendations into tools that we can use internally to ensure that we're uh, incorporating equity into climate action. Some other supporting events. Uh, we continue work on the sustainable business program. We had some staff turnover last year as well, but we hired a new uh, bilingual business sustainability coordinator who started in August. And the majority of his work is focused on the sustainable business program. We're excited to have him. I wanted to highlight a pretty good, uh, a high increase on, in the volunteers for the Parks Open Space and Trails Volunteer Program uh, and the tremendous value that that brings to our community. And then we are at about 42% of Longmont schools participating in the Green Star Schools Program. We also put some funding in 2023 from the sustainability tax toward this program as well, which puts us on track to have 100% of Longmont schools participating in that program by the end of 2025. And all of this work gets rolled up into our CDP reporting. Uh, CDP stands for Carbon Disclosure Project, which is a kind of a dry term, <laughs> but it is the, the global disclosure platform for all municipalities, um, cities, states, regions, as well as companies and investors that are doing climate action work, both in mitigation, so reducing greenhouse gas emissions and adaptation, so uh, adapting to the impacts of climate change. It's a very uh, robust framework um, that evaluates a number of different things in this area and then arrives at a score for each um, reporting entity. Uh, in 2022, 1,000 cities re received a score, only 122 cities globally received an A, only two in Colorado, of which Longmont was one. Uh, this was only our second year of reporting, um, so this is a pretty incredible achievement that really highlights all of the work that we're putting into this. I do want to note uh, one of the changes that's been made if we want to maintain an A moving forward, and this leads into our following discussion. Uh, they changed to require a science-based interim target. Um, we do have that with that 66% by 2030. Essentially that's saying, based on your population, what is your community responsible for in terms of um, setting a uh, a greenhouse gas reduction target based on your population and based on our calculations, that 66% number meets that requirement. Uh, but they do also require a net zero goal by 2050, which we don't yet have. So I just wanted to bring back up this slide and put the question to you all as to whether or not you wanna revisit these goals that were adopted in 2018. Again, these were modeled based on the recommendations from the 2018 greenhouse gas reduction our greenhouse gas inventory and report. Uh, what they didn't include at that time was anything around building electrification. And so you all recently adopted the beneficial building electrification. 
And we did, uh, through that process, went through some modeling uh, to see how that would impact uh, these goals into 2030 and 2050. And so you can see when we add those in, that gives that a bit of uh, a bump there. Uh, and so the, the question to council is, do you wanna revisit, uh, update these goals to reflect either just the, the, the potential impact from beneficial building electrification? I wanna note one piece of this is potential code updates. And so uh, this doesn't incorporate um, full electrification from all of those code updates. So there could be some additional impacts there. Uh, also the opportunity, as I mentioned, to adopt a net zero by 2050 goal, goal. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that, it's not necessarily saying getting all the way to zero by 2050. It's essentially saying getting as close as we can and whatever remaining emissions would be offset by renewable energy or other methods. So I do wanna highlight that even with building electrification, we do have this gap here um, to get us to zero in 2050. Uh, but I just wanna open that conversation to you all to determine whether or not you wanna revisit these or leave these as ifs for now. Thank you, Lisa. And opening it for discussion, Councillor Martin. Thank you, Mayor Peck. Um, and thank you, Lisa, for going back to that slide because that's where I was going to ask you to go anyway during the Q&A period. Um, I am on going to uh, advise more modeling and revisiting these goals and trying to get closer to net zero. Um, I like that beneficial building electrification goal that, or, and building efficient. Uh, I, I think that there is more that can be done with building efficiency uh, which is also a big equity goal. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, and I noticed that uh, you, 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 um, you don't seem to have any addition in the, in the 2030 to 2050 for increased building envelope efficiencies. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I might make Francie come up here and speak to that piece. Uh, we do actually, I, I didn't put it in here because it, it gets complicated. We do actually have a separate graph that specifically shows the value of energy efficiency. It gets sort of washed out when you're looking at the transition to renewable energy and the transition to electrification. So it doesn't really do justice the impact from energy efficiency in particular, but I'm gonna hand it to Francie. Do you wanna add anything on that? This is where you can really go deep into some of this stuff. <laughs> go ahead. Yes. Um, Francie Jaffe, Sustainability Coordinator. So as Lisa mentioned, when we are providing 100% renewable electricity, it kind of doesn't show those energy efficiency benefits as well. But we did do modeling that did show by increasing the energy efficiency over time that helps to offset the increase in electrification from building electrification as well as uh, transportation electrification that makes that more possible. So you don't see as much the impact in the greenhouse gas emissions. And there is benefits on reducing uh, use of natural gas in buildings as well as you're doing the electrification. Um, however, a lot of the strategies that we modeled focused a lot on reducing electricity bec um, because of when they, the strategies were developed, they had a strong focus on what was in the control of Longmont Power and Communications in the city. So it does factor in, but you don't 
it doesn't show up in a greenhouse gas model, but it does show up in a, if we, we could share the energy use model over time to kind of highlight those benefits. Um, okay, I'm not sure I understood that, um, but I, I do think, uh, yeah, um, we could use, a, a, yeah, building efficiency is gonna still matter uh, especially considering that we are not going to be at 100% renewable by 2030. Um, so building a fish and, and uh, the um, uh, building efficiency is going to be really important during that transitional time because uh, uh, heat pumps are going to put a big demand on the grid. So building efficiency is going to be um, a major thing and I, I would hope to see that remodeling um, get done. Uh, we've done some modeling on that, and I don't uh, find the model as informative as it could be. Um, so the, the other thing is that our, our transportation um, transition plan is pretty much incremental and pretty much based around replacement of internal combustion engines with electric vehicles as opposed to um, transformative goals around public transit. And so I would like to see some modeling about what a more transformative um, transit um, plan in the period of 2025 to say 2035 along the lines of what Mr. Greenwald has suggested. Um, I'd like to see what that does, because um, I, I think it'd get us into the 90s by 2050, which is as close as anybody's mm -hmm. going to get. <laughs> so um, that's that's my position on it, and I I really like this because it's uh, it's clear and it shows us where the low hanging fruits mm -hmm. are. Um, so I very much appreciate it, but yeah, I, th I I definitely think it's time for some more aggressive modeling. So thanks. Thank you. Councillor McCoy. Thank you, Mayor Peck. Um, thank you, Lisa and staff, for a uh, great presentation there. Just kind of uh, circling back to the um, A1 composting mm -hmm. uh, issue, you know, how are we going to educate the community uh, members about the, what's go, what goes into our green polycarts? Um, uh, currently, the sticker tells residents uh, what can go in, but it seems like we need to have a new sticker put on all those carts, and that's probably going to take a little bit of time, especially if we have a deadline of April 1st. And Mayor Peck and Councilmember McCoy, I might see if I can tap with Marika. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You're, you're going to get into the level of detail that I can't, I can't quite yeah, answer. But, but it needs to go on the outside. Council, you'll have to excuse me, Mike Unger, Citywide Communications Director. Uh, could you please repeat the question? Oh, okay. My question was: is um, you know, on the polycarts themselves, they have actually a sticker, which really helps people at the time of putting stuff mm -hmm. into the cart. I understand that we can send stuff out through the city line and through other sources, but and hopefully people read those. But uh, it's the moment you're putting something in when you go, oh, I can't put that in. 
uh, is what we need to, to kind of, it seems like maybe there needs to be a new sticker put on the, the cards. For the communication plan, yeah. Uh, so thank you for the question. I appreciate it. Uh, Councilmember McCoy, then Major Peck, uh, Mayor Peck. <laughs> I was so deep in something just now, I really do apologize. Um, so I think that the answer is always yes on new and different ways to do that. We have been having a lot of conversations with the media and making sure that the information that's been getting out about the A1 changes have been accurate and helpful to the community. Uh, but I agree with you, I think there are always opportunities uh, similar to what we did with the plastic bag ordinance, right? We had. Uh, little tents and stickers and things that went actually on the shop displays so that people could in the moment understand what was happening with those changes. So we'd be happy to explore some of the things that we can do on the A1 composting changes with that as well. Yeah, I just I just want people to not uh, be surprised when they get ready to mm -hmm. put something in. I understand getting kind of weird stuff uh, in because people mow something up like it tennis shoe is what we heard. And we've definitely also um, created in the past those guides for what goes where and how you do that. Yeah. One of the issues that we have with that is it's hard to attach to the actual bins. Yeah. So we've been working on a campaign actually not just for the composting and what goes where, but also for people to know when to put things out, right? So if there's a holiday or something like that, we often see bins that are out for extra days, they get blown over because it's windy, something like that. So we've been working on a campaign that actually addresses a number of those things all at once. Okay, it's just on the on the bins when we first got them, and probably some have worn off, had that yeah. plastic uh, uh, sort of uh, sticker on it that uh, helped kind of make sure people were actually putting in the right stuff in the right, yeah, in the bin. So thank, thank you, you for, for your time. Question. Mayor Peck, could I add one piece to that? You may remember that um, that Solid Waste does have that app as well, the Waste Wizard app, and so we're updating that as well. So as people are looking for their composting information on the Waste app, they'll be able to find it there. Um, certainly we'll do a campaign push, as Marika just talked about, and we'll double check about what happened with the stickers. And just to add on, I know Charlie is working closely with a lot of our regional partners to try to make sure that we're all saying the same things to folks across the region because everybody's getting hit with this issue. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lisa. That was a great report. Uh, I, I do want to, Mayor Peck and council members, just come back to this question. That, yeah, I'm happy to leave the targets as is for now or follow up with additional modeling if that's helpful. Um, but I, I do want to get some, some specific some direction. Yeah, if you all want to update these targets, again, you can set an, the aspirational 2050 goal of, of net zero by 2050. And then we can continue to hone our modeling to really inform those efforts in particular and help us understand that better. Or, or we can revisit the modeling uh, and without setting an an uh, adjusted 2050 or aspirational target, and we can leave it as is. Okay, Councilor Waters. Thanks, Mayor Peck. Just I wasn't going to weigh in until you came back with this question about targets and adjusting. Um, if I look at the just the greenhouse greenhouse gas emission reduction of 13 percent. That's since 2016, right? 13% mm -hmm. over five years. It's averages two and a half, two point six percent annually. To get to 60%, it's going to require uh, more than double that rate, 5.6% mm -hmm. or 5.8%. Um, what, what, what's, 
what should this council or future councils be anticipating as recommendations? I, I assume that are embedded in the uh, in the recommendations or in the the strategies that were laid out by the Climate Action Task Force. Why, why should anybody be optimistic that we would hit that sixty percent, sixty six percent reduction goal, given the accelerating the, the accelerating rate that's going to have to occur to meet it? What's going to happen for us to more than double the rate of reduction? on an average basis year over year. And I realize a lot of that is in the last two years, mm -hmm. but what, what's going to happen in those last two years then that, that, that would give you and should give a council reason to be optimistic that we're going to hit that target? Yeah, Mayor Peck and, and Councilmember Waters, thank you so much for that question. Uh, I'll go back to what I was referring to earlier. So the, the modeling really looks at all of the recommendations from the Greenhouse Gas Report, the Sustainability Plan, the Climate Action Plan, uh, again, it didn't have the, the beneficial building electrification in there until we added it into this section. Uh, and it modeled based on a number of different um, a number of different assumptions into in, including adoption curves and whatnot, which is where we came up with these initial numbers. That big impact is largely through the transition to 100% renewable energy. So this does assume that we, at least according to as it is right now, that we will hit 100% renewable energy by 2030. Uh, we stay up to date. Uh, we get annual reports from Platte River on their emission factors. We get modeling information from them as well. We are gonna be keeping an eye on the IRP that's coming up because that will give us that information about how close we're gonna be getting to that 100% goal and what's sort of left on, on us as, as a community to meet as well. Uh, so that's really where that biggest impact comes from and that, and that drop really comes from assuming that we will figure out how, how to get to that 100% goal. Uh, so, so I can't say that we have those answers right now, that's what's coming through the IRP so process. That's, so it's really largely dependent upon what happens yes. with PRPA. Yes. Didn't, didn't we hear from and maybe I just am misremembering that Jason Frisbee, when he we heard his report a few months ago, um, his estimate was by 2030, maybe we could get to 92%. I'm going to have somebody else speak on that piece. So. I think that's in the ballpark. And I, so when you look at that 8% delta, I think that's where that reliability component comes in. And um, David can help me. As I've talked to, to Jason in our city manager's meeting, it's really then, you know, it may take a few years after that to really move into that last piece. But it then raises questions about, the, about 2030. If, we, if that requires 100% renewable by 2030 and we can get to 92%, I mean, you're gonna have to, the modeling is going to put you somewhere, put us somewhere else uh, in the year 2030 in terms of greenhouse gas reductions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good evening, uh, Mayor Peck and Councilmember Waters, Dave Hornbacher. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think you bring up a really good question there. And so as, um, as was noted a moment ago, we've got one, two integrated resource plans that will be completed by Platte River Power yeah. Authority prior. You also noted in some of the presentations from Lisa today, there was information about distributed energy resources yeah. under the elements. So we're also under the... Um, the belief and the action here at the city of Longmont that we have a role in getting to that 100% renewable and that role is sort of a 5 to 10% of the total 100% that we believe that we should be able to 
modify our electric energy use here by either adding energy or removing energy or placing energy within the system when renewable energy resources are flush and so that we can draw out on that or have less demand. So a variety of things. So you'll see more information about that coming forward. You'll notice it also in the budgets that we prepare that we have funding in the electric department for that. And so, you know, our goal still is 100% renewable. We'll be taking actions here at the city to also help and facilitate that. Should I put on my calendar as a as a observer from the gallery in the year 2030? Would be this this council meeting in 2030 where I get a chance <laughs> to go back and see how close we came? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. Thank Councilor McCoy. Thank you, Mayor Peck. Well, I kind of come from the point of view: if you don't uh, uh, run the race, you can't win the race. And so, in this case here, I think we have to uh, probably keep moving in the right direction. And, uh, and I uh, remember my uh, buddy that I worked on with my, uh, towards uh, my uh, master's and, and PhD, and, and he, uh, he always said, just keep moving forward. And so I think that's what we need to keep doing, is just keep moving forward here. Uh, even if we miss it, at least we're closer than we were before. So do you need a motion? I think uh, just to, direction. To recommendation. Yeah. So um, I guess what we need to do is to see if we want to stick with these goals mm -hmm. or do we want to move them. If uh, Let's give um, just, a, I guess, a, a consensus as to whether we think that we should stick with these goals. And if you want to raise them, chime in and just say we want to raise them to this or I would prefer this or I'm good with it. So my question now is, do we want to stick with the goals that we have given to the sustainability group? One, two, three, one nay. Council Waters? Mayor Pro Tem. So all of us except for Councillor Martin, and I will let her speak to that. So uh, I'm not sure what you meant by stick with the goals. I mean, I think that, that uh, Council Member McCoy said we need to raise the bar. No, I was saying that stay just stay the course. Stay the course and, and keep in the race. Keep moving forward with what we're doing. My God. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, I, I because, because there are so many, because we are so far from net zero and because um, we have to make up for um, some shortfalls that PRPA has predicted, and so I think we need to work harder at that, and I am very surprised, considering that we have a climate emergency declaration in force, that nobody else thinks so. What goals, we, what would you like these to be raised to? I would like to be raised, uh, well, first of all, I would like to be updated because we do have two promises from PRPA, 92% by uh, 2030, but also to um, change the arc so that we have more greenhouse gas reductions bef between now and 2030. So that, that helps between, with the now, now to 2030 uh, thing. But the other thing is I think that we should change our models and our um, funding priorities 
to be able to increase the um, uh, reductions from transportation, reductions from um, beneficial building electrification, and from building efficiency. Because, um, you know, in PRPA's plan, there's always going to be some natural gas backup. I also had a question to ask about the city's production of, of um, renewable natural gas and whether how, how that gets inventory. Does that count as essentially a carbon offset that we're doing that? Or is that an energy generation thing? Or what exactly, how does that work? Mayor Peck and Council Member Martin, that is a great question that I might see if, if Francie can answer for me. Otherwise, I'll have to follow up and get back to you on, on that because I don't recall off the top of my head how that gets in, incorporated in, into the modeling in particular. Francie, do you know about the RNG, where that falls? Uh, we'll have to follow up with you to, to understand in particular where that shows up in this. I'm sorry. Okay. Will you have that at the retreat? Oh, we can have that for you at the retreat. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would sure like to understand why the rest of the council does not want to um, raise the bar anymore because I bet the staff wants to. So I'm, uh, you know. I, I don't I don't support staying the course. I guess that's all I get to say. So um, here's the way I look at it. As we are working uh, on transportation, um, having meetings with RTD and coming up with a, a plan for intra-city transit, we don't know what that where that is going in the immediate future. We're pushing hard on it. If we can meet this 66% goal before 2030, then I think that we can, uh, if we can estimate that we can do that by some policies and directions that we're going, then I think that we can raise the, the goal at that point. But if we can't move it with everything we're doing, then we need to reassess it and what, what are we doing and why aren't we moving it faster. But if we, for you know, for what you have said, and I agree, that we are only a portion of meeting this uh, 2030 goal of 100%. And if we can get to the 66% goal before 2030, I think that's what we, that's what I would like to see. But to say we could get to 100% by 2030, that may not be attainable. And, um, we should always we should always go for the gold, but I don't want to put it out there so far or so high that it's not attainable. We find that it just isn't attainable. So um, I I I think with the with all of the uh, discussions we're having on different areas that we sh we should move just keep going. Mayor Peck and council members, thank you so much for your time. And, and we'll, we'll be back on Saturday to talk more in depth about some of these things as well. Great, thank you. Yes. Thank you, Mayor Peck. Uh, respectfully, I believe that the mayor and the council have misunderstood the question. Um, I think 
that there was not a particular amount of discussion about moving the 2030 goal. Um, uh, Ms. Knobloch uh, talked about uh, in order to continue to get an A from the, our climate evaluation, we needed to move our 2050 goal. And so when I talked about it, I was pointing out the places on the right side of the graph where we can get more con, uh, carbon reduction out of uh, our 20, uh, uh, 2030 to 2050 goals by more transformative uh, elect beneficial electrification goals and more transformative uh, uh, transit goals. And that gives us plenty of time to get the work done. So with all due respect, could we not ask the council with that clarification whether they really wish to doom the sustainability um, organization to falling grades? Um, first of all, I would like to ask the council, did you misunderstand the question? Did you misunderstand the question, as Councillor Martin has said, about, about keeping the goals where they are or moving them? Repeat it. Let's make, make sure everybody does understand that. Hey, Mayor Peck and council members, so, so the question is whether or not you all want to update the existing targets. My focus was largely on the 2050 target which, is, which currently is 69% reduction, to either incorporate building electrification impacts, which are shown in that dark blue wedge, most of which would happen after 2030, again, with the caveat that we, we don't have code updates as yet to, to plug into particular years, but still the bulk of that would largely be probably after 2030. So it would be incorporating the beneficial electrification or moving to an aspirational net zero by 2050 target. Uh, Thank you for the clarification. Once again, um, I'll call on Councillor Waters and see what he <laughs> has to say on this. <laughs> I'm probably not going to shed much light on anything. Uh, but it would be helpful for me. Uh, not Lisa, if you have some if-then sequence, uh, Councilmember Martin made reference to uh, kind of reevaluating our funding priorities. I think I know where that would go in terms of what we would see as budget proposals in the run-up to the 20 in 2024, both in terms of capital improvement or the capital improvement budget and operation budget. And I can, you know, I can I can speculate what he, what we would see, but it would be helpful for me to hear from you. If you did X, Y, and Z, then from the staff perspective, we would we think it would model this way, right? If you have expectations, because also uh, the statement made that that the staff would aspire to see us set different goals. I would imagine there is an if if that's the case, there's an if then sequence in there somewhere because you're not going to want us to see us set more aggressive goals without making some other adjustments in terms of the inputs, right, in terms of funding or staffing or whatever. So um, I wouldn't know how to answer the question. You asked for direction. I don't know how, how to give any other direction with what we've been provided without that, without if you do X, 
then we could expect Y, and we would recommend or like to see X, right? In the absence of that, uh, you've worked real hard on this. We've been with this for a while. I don't know what, else, what other give direction to give other than what would be a, not even a swag for me. It would just be a wag, right? Um, so if there was an if-then sequence, it'd be helpful. I don't know if anybody else would, would benefit from that in order to make, in order to answer your question about uh, different goals. I, I actually agree with that, too. Um, so before we even talk about the goals and whether they should change or let's get the feedback that uh, Councillor Waters, how do we get there? And if we do, what will it cost us to do that? So for me, let's go back then, let's look at the right side of this grid. Do we, is there, do we want to stick with this until we get more information back on the budgeting and the goals? Councillor McCoy. Thank you, Mayor Pick. Um, well, the only reason why I thought we should stick with it is, is that we didn't have all that information. We said that we would get some more detail at uh, our retreat, and so I felt that uh, it would be maybe a little premature to go ahead and um, try to start uh, changing the field goals uh, on this, uh, at this point here when I don't know what the effect would be. There's there's so many different levels of effect here mm -hmm. that uh, that are at play that uh, I'm concerned that, uh, you know, what would happen. So I, I would like to know what what that might look like. And, and there's no free lunch, so we know that there's going to be some costs uh, associated with this. So it's 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 something and and if there's no uh, and it's not just a, a financial cost but it might be also uh, you know uh, all this is lost in a sense of political loss so uh, of trying to move in this direction when we're the one of two cities that got an A I would think that we're probably on a fairly decent track uh, I don't think that we're going to uh, start missing assignments. Thank you. So, Councillor Martin, you've talked twice on this, so um, we need to give her directions. So I'll call on you one more time. I've been hearing uh, Councilmember Waters and Councilmember McCoy um, essentially, uh, I believe that the sustainability staff is asking for direction to do more modeling to see what could happen and reset the goals. Um, and the council is reacting as though um, we're being asked to set new targets right now, knowing nothing more than is known today. That 66% um, in 2050 is from a 2018 evaluation. I believe it was 66% in the old Lotus report that I went, read when I was first elected. So I, I think that it is, um, I, I, I still think that there is a misunderstanding going on about the process. The sustainability organization in order to do its job needs direction from council to do more modeling. 
It may not be more modeling tomorrow. It may be more modeling after the next PRPA report, but sticking with, sticking with these 2018 goals with all of the changes that have happened since um, is, is really hobbling the organization. And I, I really have a, a hard time um, understanding I don't understand how anybody expects the sustainability organization to continue to do its job if they are not authorized by the council to, to look into more aggressive modeling. So I see we have both uh, the city manager and Becky Doyle here I to think, weigh in. I think to, if I can jump in, to take what I've heard from different council members, if this, then this, and what are the choices, what we could do is come in and take the modeling and say, here's what we showed you today where you can see the, the movement. We have 69%. You can see where the blue categories coming in with the codes and, and here's what this is going to entail. And then we can come in and go, if this, then this is what it's going to look like and, and give council some slightly, some more information in terms of looking at what that future target's going to be um, so you all can get a greater comfort level of saying, yes, we think this is where we want to be based on what we're presenting out of the modeling information, which would mean you don't necessarily have to say it today to go, we want to move to 100, but right. mm -hmm. go back, do some modeling, bring those options back to us, let us know what that's going to entail and, and what changes that will really require when you look out in that window from 2030 to 2050. And, and we can do that. And that's not saying there needs to be a decision. And in that, I think we will answer the if then, because it'll give you a clearer sense of in order to move to that 100% level, this is what we're going to have to do. And if council wants, we can go back and do that modeling and then bring it back to you as part of a broader conversation. Doesn't mean you have to give the answer today of, yes, we want to move to 100. We'll just show you what that's going to look like. Great. Becky, did you want to weigh in? Yes, thank you, Mayor. If I could just add that um, I, I would encourage us to think about this as an aspirational target, right. very much like when we talked about zero waste, that this is a direction that we want to go, and that science-based interim target that's really based on activities that are underway mm -hmm. um, is you know, our, our existing uh, goal within our planning horizon. But then you know, what, what do we want to see out beyond that horizon what's our what's our eventual vision for how the city operates and you said that much better which was why I was trying to say that as we move forward these goals will change hopefully and with the modeling so do we all agree that we would like uh, staff to bring back the modeling um, so can I have a, get a head shake <laughs> all right thank you that is the direction we would like to go are you clear with that direction? Yep. Thank you, Member or Mayor Peck and members of council. I appreciate your time. Thank we'll you. We you appreciate yours. <laughs> and now I can't figure out how to get out of this. Now we have our legislative bill update with. Assistant City Manager, Sandy Cedar. 
Hello, thank you, Mayor. Sandy Cedar, Assistant City Manager. We have three bills for you to consider today. Um, the first one, Senate Bill 23111, concerning public employees' workplace protection. It sounds like a good concept. Um, I certainly think most people believe that public employees should be protected, but this particular bill actually creates some real problems for home rule municipalities. Um, what it does is it gives rights and uh, dictates how specific HR and collective bargaining agreements will work for public employees, which actually violates our charter, uh, as well as would violate our current collective bargaining agreements. So while we certainly appreciate the thoughts around it, most of these things are things that we do today already to protect public employees. And this is a pretty big overreach from the state, um, really against uh, home rule municipalities and our charter. So um, even though it sounds like a good idea as a bill, staff recommends city council opposes Senate Bill 23111 so that we can preserve your right to determine as an employer uh, what kinds of things you will um, provide to your employees as well as the community to determine what things get added to their charter such as collective bargaining agreements, etc. So it's been moved by Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez, seconded by Councillor McCoy to oppose 23-111. Let's vote. are we waiting on? Okay. So that carries unanimously. Thank you, Mayor. The second bill is Senate Bill 23166 concerning establishment of a wildfire resiliency code board. Um, so again, this is an idea that I think certainly people think on the face looks like a good idea to create codes, uh, a board from the state side that would really help uh, create resiliency around that urban interface with wildfires. Uh, but a state code board certainly mm -hmm. is exactly against home rule municipalities. And while we would certainly love some suggestions from the state or if they're willing to bring expertise on what that looks like for our codes, that's one thing, but to determine what codes we would uh, institute as part of that um, urban interface is not appropriate. So uh, we are requesting the city council opposes 23166. I have a motion. So um, that motion to oppose uh, 23166 was made by Mayor, Mayor Pro Tim Rodriguez, seconded by Councillor Waters. Let's vote. And that carries unanimously. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, on a little bit of a more supportive note, uh, Senate Bill 23175 is legislation that would allow you to continue your current de uh, downtown development authority in increments of 20 years unless the city council decided that they would like to stop that practice. Um, obviously, our Longmont Downtown Development Authority does amazing work, um, and to be able to continue their funding um, you know, as, as this work continues, I think is just an amazing gift to the residents of Longmont. So staff recommends that you support Senate Bill 23-175. I have a question on that. You, you mm -hmm. can move it in just a moment. Go ahead and make the motion. I'll have it. Thank you. Second. So it's 
So it's been moved to support by Councillor Martin, seconded by Councillor Hidalgo Fearing. I do have a question. So if we as a home rule city wanted to up this to 30 years for any reason, can we do that? Um, the way that it's set right now is that after the first 20 years, there's a 30-year extension, and now this would allow for additional 20-year extensions. So um, unfortunately, no, that's the bill really is just talking about 20-year extensions kind of in perpetuity until the council were to decide otherwise. Okay, great. So I, I think the answer is if once you hit the first 20-year extension, if council wanted to do it again, you could do it again. And there's not a limitation where it just ends. Okay. The, the first one is 30 years. The second one is 20, 20 years. And then. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so let's vote. Oh, Councillor, I mean, sorry. Um, Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez. No. no it, was me. it was me. I meant to call on you, but it's. Oh, go ahead. Okay. So um, thank you. So, Sandy, I do have a question on as to when I saw that it's in, it's been introduced. Um, so typically when we put in our, our um, proposals to support or oppose, is it prior to its introduction or after it's already been introduced? Yes, Mayor Peck, Councilmember Hidalgo Faring, our policy, the policy that the City Council set a few years ago um, was that we try to catch it as fast as possible before mm -hmm. committee. So the, the previous council or a couple councils ago actually mm -hmm. wanted to wait till after committee. Uh, but in this case, the way that we do it is as soon as it's introduced and we have that feedback, we try to get it in front of council so that we can lobby legislators for a longer period of time. Wonderful. Yeah. And then do you know what the next course of action would be? Where, where, uh, when is it going to committee? I don't believe it's been calendared yet. It literally dropped on Thursday afternoon. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so well, that's I got it fast. on Friday for my review. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank it you. Would, it would go to its committee, probably local affairs would be my guess. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. then, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. Great. Thank you. Now it's Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez. Thank you, Mayor Peck. Uh, they're not here and I've not heard them speak at city council. Uh, but I do know and having had some conversations that the LDDA is supportive of this mm -hmm. legislation. Yep. So I just wanted to, to make that noted. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem Rodriguez and, and Kimberly McKee shared that with me as well. So thank you. Yeah. Great. So I think that we're ready to vote. And that carries unanimously. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. So, final call, public invited to be heard. Is there anyone in the public that would like to speak? Strider, I see you. Yeah, Strider Benston, 951 17th. Uh, I really appreciate all the work that's been done on this, and I think the discussion dealing with it is good. I got a couple of basic questions, which probably won't be up tonight, but maybe Saturday. A um, couple of things. One of the first times I ever spoke here about 16 years ago, I talked about having a grid system for buses for public transportation. 
and we still haven't moved anything in that direction. And also about maybe incrementally replacing the, the public fleet with electric vehicles. Now, battery technology has gotten so much better that it's vastly more possible now, but I haven't seen much move. I saw, what, 1.4%, maybe going up to 4% soon. Uh, so I think those things ought to be looked into. With the grid bus system, you could have smaller buses and people could know where they're going to and go somewhere and instead of just having two that go all around and you have to know exactly where you're going. If you're not going there, you can't get there. Um, so that's part of it. Um, I wonder about some of the uh, stuff was going good and then flatlining and I'm not sure why. And um, I, I, I don't know what that's all about. Uh, transportation, for example, is some of that dependent on getting more electric gas stations, electric stations, or presuming that they're gonna come. What if the political national thing is, no, we don't want that kind of stuff, let's just burn down all the forests like Bolsonaro in Brazil. Uh, so. That's one factor I think could be addressed this weekend. Um, and are we presuming a steady scientific, scientific advance on all of these things like battery technology or, you know, science never advances steadily. Uh, do we have contingencies for going faster if it gets better or, or uh, how do we deal with it if it gets slower? Those kinds of things ought to be taken into consideration. And one of them, like building electrification, it's like nothing and then pretty good. Why not Why not something now? I mean, is that only new buildings or what about electrifying better uh, the ones we already have? So just some basic things to, to look into and um, uh, keep in mind uh, limits to growth uh, by Du Bois and Ward about 1976. <laughs> you, you know, uh, we run out everything. Strider. We'll find more copper, dig it. Thank you, yeah. Strider. Before you move, Strider, for the fleet, you can talk to Chase. He's behind you about your answers to the fleet. For I can talk to you about transportation. And I'm sure that Lisa Noblock would be glad to explain some of the questions you had about uh, about the presentation she just gave, gave in the flatlining. Uh, so we can yeah. we can answer those. Thank you. I think the bicycle path things have really improved greatly, even though I still mostly am on the street. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So now we're at Mayor and Council comments. Are there any comments that uh, councilors would like to make? Uh, uh, Councillor Martin. Well, I'd like to answer Strider's questions now. Um, I think that, that the transit numbers were, uh, were mainly uh, based on a, a 2018 rate of electric vehicle adoption with, uh, with few uh, improvements uh, in public transit sort of uh, rolled into that mix. Uh, I think Lisa 
uh, Knobloch uh, mentioned in her presentation that uh, alternatives in public transit uh, could yield considerable gains. I, I think perhaps just the, the council did not hear it. Beneficial building electrification is another situation that's, that's kind of the same in the sense that um, in 2018, we weren't really taking heat pumps very seriously because there hadn't been technological improvements in heat pumps since the 70s when you know they first were viable for any reason, any place. Um, and now, uh, within the last few years, as it's been known we were going to need them, they're a lot better. And so uh, we actually, the city is making plans to promote the transition to heat pumps considerably faster and that you would see the, 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 the space uh, even before 2030 improve uh, if the staff is allowed to do additional modeling. Uh, and that's why I was really upset about the idea that they should be instructed to, to work from the old 2018 model. Um, it just doesn't make sense. I don't really believe that that's what the council thought they were doing, but it was gonna come out that way. So um, I, I congratulate you, Strider, for keeping up on things because you hit the nail right on the head. Thanks. So, okay, we're still at council comments. Thank you very much, Strider. Is there anybody else on council that would like to uh, comment? I would like to give a shout out to uh, Marika Unger for keeping us up on uh, what CDPHE is doing. And um, I was very happy to read that the state is giving, um, I lost my train of thought, HEPA filter to the schools in uh, Colorado, especially in our county. I'm very happy about that. So any other comments? No. With that, I would like to, we're going to go to the city manager remarks. Harold? No comments, Mayor Council. City attorney? No comments, Mayor. Thank you. Can I have a motion to adjourn? So it's been moved by Councilor McCoy and seconded by Councilor Hidalgo Ferry to adjourn. Let's vote. All those in favor? Aye. Thank you. We are adjourned.